Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Amen. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Tell somebody you're sitting next to, I'm glad you're here. And if they're far from you, say, I'm glad you're here. Okay, that's good. I got some compliments this morning from our students in the front row about my sneakers, so it made my day. So I just wanted you to do the same thing for somebody else. Hey, we're really glad you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We had, I was telling you earlier during our uh, offering time uh, that we had a really good event yesterday with our Warriors. It was so great, so great to see so many guys out there. We filled up the room. It was a really neat day. And uh, the sisterhood event's going to be great. The sisterhood, we did, a, we did a, a room at a restaurant for the guys. The ladies take over this whole room. They fill the whole room up. And they're going to they're gonna kill it and have a great, great day. And we'd be praying about that. It's going to be a great event. Um, and I know that you'll be a part of that. And I thank you for just considering and praying about what God would have you to do um, for our Easter offering as we can help those that are certainly in more need of us. You know, there's really not a time in our life where we can't be super thankful for what God has given us. You know, if we consider, you turn the news on for about 20 minutes and then stop and just say thank you, you know, to how good God is in your life. I love that last song that Nathan was singing, Run to the Father. Um, I remember one of the first times I heard that song, I talked about being away and, and, and coming home from a trip or something, and my girls would come up and be really glad to see me. Until they turned into teenagers, and then, you know, it's just, they're like, hey, Dad, you got any money for me? No, they were great. But a couple days ago, we were, we might have been here at the church, and Christina's youngest boy, Rocky, he's like the Tasmanian devil. I don't know if you've seen Rocky a whole lot. Uh, He's in the kids right now. That boy is just wired up. He's hyper. He's strong. If you hold his body, it just feels like he's, he's, he's either flexing you know, because he wants to be like his dad with the gun show, or he's just like super tense or something. So I turned the corner, I said, Rocky, and he looked at me and went, this is the first time this has happened, he went, pop! And he ran waddling with his little diaper butt going side to side, and he jumped into my arms and he held on to me, and he's a little over a year old, year and a half old, and he, that's not something he does with me a whole lot, uh, and he did it for the first time, and, I, and that just, I'm telling you, that made my life you know, I mean, that just made me feel so good. And I was thinking about that, listening to that song about how much God wants us to do that to him. Like he's waiting for that. And the thing is, he's not, he don't care if you have a messy diaper. Can I use that as part of my analogy? He don't care if you have a messy diaper. He don't care if you got things in your life where, you know, things aren't going right. You're busted, disgusted, can't be trusted. You know what he wants? He wants you to go running to him because he has the forgiveness that you need. He has the ability to sustain you. And you know what he wants to do? Just like we do with our kids and grandkids, he wants to bless you. Like God desires to bless you. And you know, but you know what we do with our relationship with God? It's really what we're going to talk about today. I believe in, in, in our lives, and I'm saying this starting with me, I promise you, it's very easy for us to take for granted the relationship we have with God. I think that happens because we're probably, and I'm, you know, again, I'm saying that about myself for sure. We're very short-minded. I don't know if we're very good 
uh, at, at living with eternity in mind every single day. Because if you think about eternity, then we have to think about death. So we don't want to think about life. We love that song, the breakthroughs. I know a breakthrough is coming, right? We love that kind of talk. A breakthrough, a spiritual breakthrough, a financial breakthrough, uh, a personal breakthrough. But there's going to come a time when we're going to be face to face to face with our heavenly father and his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, preparing amazing things for us that we can't even imagine, right? But when we think about that, we have to think about leaving. I had somebody say to me, well, you're a pastor. Dying doesn't scare you. I said, wait a second, you're wrong. Dying scares me, being dead doesn't scare me. Like, I'm not excited about the process of what's going to happen when I go and see my heavenly father. I do know that I'm going to see my heavenly father someday. And I know that I have a very secure relationship in him, like many of you would share about that this morning as well. But I also believe this, God gave us the years that he gave us, whether it's three score and 10, more, less, whatever it is, so that we can be his representatives here on the earth. And we say this all the time, God left us here to reach people for Jesus Christ. That's really a sub point. God left us here, our sole purpose in life, and I want you to hear this, is to bring honor and glory to our heavenly father and his son, Jesus Christ. That's our purpose for living. We do that by reaching people with the gospel. We do that by being obedient to him. We do that by not sinning and then confessing our sins when we do, when we do sin in our life. But all the things that we do in our life, our sole purpose, the number one thing that we're here to do is to bring honor and glory to our, our creator, our father, and his son, Jesus. And, and the, the thing is, church, sometimes in our lives, we get so caught up in today that we forget that the father is there waiting for us. We forget that the Father is there wanting us to lean on him. We forget that the Holy Spirit's say, don't do that. Don't do that. Confess that sin. I, you know, all these things that God does to, to get our attention and to sustain our relationship. And sometimes, and listen, we get caught up in both extremes. Like when things are bad, it's hard to be thankful, isn't it? You know, it's, it's hard to be thankful. If you're sick, if your family's going through some stuff, if you're, if you're in the midst of a trial, like we'll pray to God and say, God, I need help. We're really good at that, aren't we? I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. And sometimes we get short-sighted and then we can also believe, man, why is it God blessing me? What's going on here? Like that dude over there hasn't darkened the door of the church in five years and he's mean and they're not nice neighbors. And I go to church here. I even got a church sign in my yard from the pandemic still. And I'm going through something. And then the other, then the other side of it happens. Things are so good that we kind of find ourselves in a place where we forget to be thankful to the giver, the one who blessed us. And because you know, the Bible tells us in the book of James that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, within whom there is no understanding. So we're doing this series called Stronger. Uh, I've called my message today, The Stronger Person Understands the Value of God's Favor, and I'm going to add something to that. The stronger person understands the value of your relationship with God day after day. If you go to church every week, I'm glad you go. If you watch online every week, we're glad that you're here with us today. But going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than walking into Walmart makes you an employee of Walmart. Right? It's just, it's just it's not the way that it is. A relationship with God happens because we put our faith and trust 
in what Jesus Christ did for us by dying on the cross to pay for our sins so that we can have a relationship with him. We ask him to come into our life, we confess our sins, and we believe that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, if that, when that happens in our life, when our belief system is put into him, the Bible says we'll be saved. And we're going to read about Samson this morning, who's, who we've been talking about uh, the past few weeks. I'm going to read a larger passage of scripture for you this morning. And our two side screens are on spring vacation, spring break with a lot of our families this week. Now, we had a bulb, some bulbs go out this morning, so, and it's a huge ladder, and it takes a lot of time to do that. And it only happens, like, right before practice, right? It doesn't happen on a Tuesday. It happens, like, 30 minutes before church happens where it's impossible to do that. But you, and I, and I'm thankful for the big screen because it takes attention off of my, my girly figure, so it'll be good for you to watch that. So let's look at Judges chapter 16. Very familiar. I've been referring to this story. Now we're going to hit the heart of the story. When you hear about Samson, if I were to say to you, Samson and, you would say Delilah, right? Or you would say it in the radio voice, Delilah, right? So let's, let's read about the story. Now Samson went to Gaza, and he saw a harlot there, and he went into her. A harlot is a prostitute. When the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city, They were quiet all night, saying, in the morning, when it is daylight, we're going to kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Interesting. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. It's a lot of money. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound uh, that, that would afflict you. And we've referred to this. She does this four different times. And it's interesting that she kind of goes right. So there was a little bit of a relationship there. The Bible said he was looking for a harlot. He finds Delilah. You know, there's already a relationship that's going on there. He's probably been very physical with her already. So she kind of, I don't know if she has his heart, but she definitely has his attention. And we talked about that a few weeks ago with lust. We talked a few weeks ago also about being repeat offenders, right? Going this, you know, having the same I told you last week, I'm 55 years old, and I haven't discovered any new sins yet. I'm kind of, Satan comes after me in the same areas that he knows that I'm going to struggle. And that's what he's doing here with, with Samson. He knows that Samson has, has an eye for the ladies. He knows that Samson uh, enjoys very much physical pleasures. And so this lady isn't saying to him, you know, she's not coming up to him like a girl from Jersey. Now, I'm not going to say Texas because I live in Texas. But I'll say Jersey because I'm, I'm close to Jersey. Where I lived... On, on a clear day, you could see the bridge that took you from uh, Philadelphia to New Jersey. There was four bridges. And the funny thing about New Jersey is you could go to New Jersey for free. I don't know if you know that. You, you guys know that. You could go you, anywhere you want to get to Jersey, you can go to Jersey for free. But to get out of New Jersey, you have to pay almost like a ransom, right? There, it's a $5 toll down from maybe a $6 toll like at the Delaware Memorial Bridge. And the more north you go, like the George Washington Bridge, correct me, if it's like $20, you really got to want to, and people are like, yes, get me out of New Jersey, right? And they pay that $20 toll. And all my Jersey people, I love you very, very much. I'm just using this as an example. But it, it's interesting 
uh, you know, Sam, uh, Delilah doesn't go up to go up to Samson like a Jersey girl. Hey, man, what's going on, yo? Hey, let me tell you something. I want to know where your strength lies because I want to know, like some loudmouth lady, maybe not from Jersey, maybe from Austin. How about we say Austin? That's another good place, right? Or so from, just from somewhere, from somewhere. We're not going to pick on people. Hey, tell me where your strength lies, dude. I want to know what makes you strong so that, so I have an understanding of that. What would it take to take your strength away? And, and she doesn't do it like that. She uses her womanly ways. Kim and I have been married for 36 years. In May, it'll be 37 years. And we have, we're so, so blessed with our relationship. We're going away today for a couple days to kind of defrag our minds a little bit from the crazy month that we've had uh, in our lives. Uh, God is so good. We're so, so thankful. Um, but let me say this, and I'm not saying this to be disrespectful to my wife or be crass in church this morning. My wife knows how to ask me for stuff. She just does, right? She's not going to slap me upside the head like a typical girl from Delaware would, right? I could say that because Delaware's this big, right? She'll, you know, she'll say, honey, and, you know, she'll do all that girly girl talk. Now, it don't happen. She's not like that. She's not, you know, it's either yes or no, and she just kind of rolls with whatever. But women, guys, if you're married, sit next to your wife. You know the truth. Women know how to ask for things from the husbands. Not that they need permission, not that I'm being misogynistic or anything that's, you know, politically incorrect. But girls, you know how to work it. Somebody say amen. Okay? Because, I mean, it's just true, okay? It's just true. So Delilah's saying she's kind of like working Samson a little bit. Hey, man, you're so strong. Look at your muscles. Your long, beautiful, flowing hair. You beat everybody up that comes near you. I'm so glad you're with me because I know that you can protect me and I have nothing to worry about. And she's rubbing his arms and rubbing his big, hairy, bulky chest. And he's flexing a little bit and going, yeah, that's right, girl. You know what's going on, you know. And you know what she's doing? She's kind of hypnotizing him. If you think about it, she's like, tell me where your strength lies. And Samson said, verse 7, he's playing games. He's playing games, games people play. If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that aren't dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So in her mind, she tells him. So she says to the, the Philistine people, so the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now men were lying to wait, staying with her in the room, and she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. He broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire, so the secret of his strength was not known. Then Samson said to Delilah, look, you've mocked me, you've told me lies, now, please tell me where your strength lies, you big, handsome, hunk of, hunk of burning love. So he said to her, second time, if they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And he knows what she's going to do. Therefore, Delilah took new ropes, bound them with them, and said to him, the Philistines are waiting for you, Samson. And the men were lying in wait, staying in the room, but he broke them off his arms like a thread. Samson, Delilah said to Samson, until now you've mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head, so he's getting closer and closer, right, into the web of the loom. So she did it. So these three, it's, it's funny. It's very, very interesting, funny, ironic, crazy, 
I don't understand why Samson didn't, didn't catch on what was going on here. But those first three things that he told her would take away his strength, she did. Like, and and then she, she turns the story around on him. Oh, you don't love me, you don't care about me, and you lied to me. She was lying to him. She was lying to him, tricking him, and why he couldn't see this coming. Like, why he couldn't see that I'm, I'm binding you, I'm binding you, I'm weaving your hair in, in, into a loom. I don't even know what that would look like. You know, that kind of a thing. But she does it, all three of these things, and the Philistines are like right outside of the tent waiting for these things to happen. They come in, and he defeats them. And then she says in verse number 15, then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? Such a hypocrite. She is such a dirty, stinking liar. And I wonder if she was the person in verse number one that was called a harlot, because she's just not a good person here. Then she said to him, how could you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You've mocked me three times and have not told me where your strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily. Remember we talked last week about people that are strong, they're not repeat offenders. And we talked about how the lady from Timna nagged, she was a nag to Samson, right? And right here we see the same thing happens to Delilah. She pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. He was getting so tired of her nagging him. The Bible tells us this, and he said to her, just stop. The way that I lose my strength, he says this in verse number 17, no razor has ever come upon my head, for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me. I shall become weak and be like any other man. And Delilah saw in Samson's eyes that he was telling her the truth. So she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her, brought the money in her hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of her head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. Man, sad story. So, so sad. He gave, and the thing is, and we talked about this the very first week of the series. The Nazarite vow had three pieces to it. They weren't allowed to touch anything dead, which he did when he killed the lion, went back and ate the honey out of the dead carcass of the lion, broke part of his Nazarite vow. Nazarite vow number two, you weren't supposed to let alcohol touch your lips at all, right? And, we, you know, that's, that's something that people use today as an argument for not drinking. I don't personally believe that the Bible says you can't let alcohol ever touch your lips for any reason whatsoever. But I do believe that we have to be very careful. We're not supposed to be drunk with wine or under control of wine or under control of any alcoholic substance. We need to be under control of the Holy Spirit. There are people that can have a beer, have a glass of wine with dinner, no big deal. It's like drinking water, right? And that's fine. But there are other people where it's an addictive behavior, and you have to be careful with that. And, and the funny thing about Christianity is we get like all like, oh, they drink, and we get all worked up about that. But, you know, the Bible says that we're not supposed to lose self-control in any area of our life. So for a person who shouldn't drink that does drink, that's a problem. You ready? For a person that shouldn't eat too much and eats too much, that's a problem. Right? It's about fulfilling the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Eating a pizza may not be bad for you. Not a good idea for me. Or the second pizza, definitely not a good idea for me, right? But you, but you have to understand 
where your weaknesses are and where you need to submit yourself to God. And, and, and part of the Nazarite vow was you're not to drink at all. That was just something that God did to set these people apart because they were born to be leaders. He was born with a mission to be the judge over, the, over God's kingdom. He was in charge of the whole country. And he was out there kicking major booty for God everywhere he went. He's killing Philistines, not like two or three at a time. You know, he's, he's like John Wick of his day. Like everywhere he's going, man, they're just dropping. Pew, 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 you know, karate chopped in the neck, pencil in the head. Like everything you could think of, Samson takes care of business, but he break that second vow. He had some alcohol, you even here with Delilah. And then it happened, the third vow. And it was almost like God gave, and I love this because I believe this has happened in my life, and I think you could give a testimony of this happening in your life too, where you've messed up a little bit, and, 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 and God spoke your heart about it, and you made it right. And you really felt like God either delivered you from that situation or blessed you from even acknowledging that it was sin and asked for forgiveness, right? And Samson, he ate from a, his pride, man, was a huge deal in his life. He ate from that dead animal, and he wasn't allowed to do that. He was drinking. He wasn't allowed to do that. But he didn't break all three of the Nazarite vows, right? So he's kind of hanging on by a thread here. You know, God's still letting him keep his strength until the one thing that was, you ready for this? That was the most visible part of his Nazarite vow. It's almost like he was mocking God saying, I'm bigger than what you told me I am because of you. I'm big because of me. He said, cut my hair and I lose all my strength. He says, gee, here, have another. Lays his head. He's in a drunken stupor. They cut all his hair. And listen to what happened here. Verse number 20. One of the saddest verses in Scripture. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he woke from his sleep and he said, I will go out as before at all the other times, shake myself free. You ready for this? But he didn't know that the Lord had departed from him. He didn't even know God's presence was not in his life anymore. He forgot that his strength came from God. Samson took, Samson took his greatest blessings in his life for granted. He took for granted his parents, right? Don't go and marry one of those women. They're all trouble. Marry somebody from Israel. They have the same faith system. They have the same values. They will be a good wife to you. They will support you. You will, you will have a great relationship with this person. You can't do that, right? And Samson, oh, no, I want her. That's the one I want. Go get her for me. I want her. And, and we see what happened, right? It was, it was, a, it was a disaster. And, and, and Samson took his parents for granted. He took his calling for granted. He took his vow for granted. He took his strength for granted. He took his security for granted, and he took his relationship for God for granted also. And I want to ask you this question. Are you taking things for granted in your life this morning? Are you taking for granted the relationship you have with your husband or your wife? It's easy to do, right? You ever hear that song, we always hurt the ones we love? It's interesting. We could, the closest person in the world to is probably the person that we're not maybe as nice to as we should be all the time. Right, when Kim and I get mad at each other, it was funny. When we graduated from high school, we had those senior, senior superlatives. She likes when I tell you this. And our senior superlative said, Ed's going to own a hoagie shop someday. He's going to be a hoagie man the rest of his life. And Kim's going to be arrested for spousal abuse. That is in our yearbook. Okay, And you ask her and she'll tell you it's true. 
And neither of those things have happened. Both predictions were wrong, and I'm very thankful for that today, right? But there are sometimes, you know, we have little arguments, you know, and, and we, we don't agree with each other, that, that we can, you know, I can be unkind in my tone, right? I can, I have to guard myself a little bit because sometimes I take that relationship, well, she's not going to leave me or walk away or this or this or this, so it's okay if I'm a little meaner, and, and that's not right. And we all do it at different relationships with different people in our lives. Oh, we take our kids for granted too. Now, there are times we hear about things like that's happened in Ukraine or uh, we, had a, we had a dear family uh, friend this year that, that, that lost a child that was a hard thing to go through. Mike Kelsey gave a testimony a few weeks ago during the worship that she had a difficult, um, they lost a baby last year and it was a pretty hard time for them and she's pregnant again and we're so thankful for that. But you could take that for granted. You know, you, t- you could take for granted that your car isn't broken down. You could take for granted, you know, we're like, oh my gosh, gas. I mean, for Texans, $4 a gallon for gas, right? We're like dying. And what are people in California doing? But gas is that expensive in the, we have a missionary with us this morning, my friend Don Bear. Good morning, preacher. I'm glad you're here. Um, he lives in the Philippines. Gas costs way more there than it does here in the United States, even without this crazy stuff, you know? And we take, listen, we take for granted the United States of America and Texas so much. I, the, I don't, you know, people will say to us, oh, your kid, you know, we're, we're very blessed. We have four wonderful girls. They're all serving the Lord in ministry. We're so, so, the best thing we ever did for our daughters is we lived in the Philippines for a while. And they saw third world country living. It cha- you know what it changed? The way that they asked us for stuff for Christmas. It, it, it just gave them perspective even as young kids, but we take so much for granted. Your wealth, do you know if you own two vehicles that you are amongst the richest 5% of people in the whole world? And that's normal here, right? Two vehicles, I couldn't, you know, we can't wait till our kids are 16 years old and we can buy them that next vehicle, right? And there's, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We just take it for granted. And we also take our relationship with God for granted. Samson didn't realize that God's presence had left his life. And, and Satan's smart. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and verse number 8, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's what Satan wants to do to you. Now it's interesting that this happened to Samson. The Bible says the spirit of God left Samson and then it says that Samson didn't realize that. There's a couple other times where some things like that happened in the Bible where King Saul was, was so disobedient and turned his back on God, that God's spirit had left him, and he was very vexed in his soul. I think that happened to Judas as well, right? The spirit of God, just he, just, he didn't acknowledge it in his life and did his own thing and, and denied and, and, and actually turned Jesus over and was a traitor. Samson was so consumed with his own life and his pride and his lust that when God's presence left him, he didn't even realize that it happened. He didn't even realize that it happened. One of the shows that my wife likes to watch on TV once in a while is Hoarders. Anybody ever watch Hoarders before? It makes you mad. If you listen, it makes you mad watching that show. People, they'll have so, and it's like, like it's like quarters extreme, right? Uh, it's not like, like, like a lot of us. Let me ask you a question because we're going to give hoarders a break. How many would say you have too much stuff in your house? Raise your hand up in the air. Okay, that doesn't mean you're a hoarder. 
But they have this show called Hoarders, if you haven't seen it, where they have stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of stuff, and it's really dirty, and there's like dead stuff, and it's gross, and it's stinky, and their kids are crying about it, and they're walking through their house, like through these pathways that they can't even touch stuff, and these professional helpers, a psychologist comes out and helps this lady that's a hoarder, and she's crying, I just can't get rid of my stuff, and the kids are saying, she's got to get rid of her stuff, and I, we were watching that one time, and I'm getting mad about it. She's getting mad about it, because she's like an organized machine. Like our whole house is organized from top to bottom. That's out of place. Fix it now. I mean, she's the ninja with house organization. And she will help you for the low, low price of, you know. I mean, she really is. She's really good at it. She could do that professionally if she didn't have so much time managing me. But um, we were watching it one time. And this, it, was, it was a statement that just almost punched me in the face. These kids were talking about the impact on their lives. And the, the mom said, I just can't get rid of my stuff. It means so much to me. And, and the child said, why, why do you want your mom to get the house cleaned up? Da, 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 da. She said, because the presence of kids and grandkids and family left this house years ago, and she doesn't even realize it. Oh, that's what it was like for Samson with the presence. He didn't even realize it. Like, he was so focused on other things in himself that he didn't realize that God's presence has left his life. So let me ask you a couple questions this morning. Are you taking things for granted? So here's the first thing I'll encourage you to do. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Do you find yourself complaining too much about everything? It's, you know, it's, it's easy to complain. It's, you know, the gas prices, the this, some of the stuff that's happening in our country, some of the stuff that's happening in our world. There's so much, just so much yucky stuff. And it's very easy for us to be a complainer without realizing how good God is in our lives. It's easy to complain. My old car, my old house, my old this, my old that. They have it, I don't. Oh, it's, uh, I heard somebody say this week, I can't believe the weather. It's so cold. It was 37. It's a jacket cold. Go live in Detroit for about a year and you'll understand, or Philadelphia, and you'll realize what cold, and then even go further north than that. It, it doesn't get, and I know, remember the big freeze we had last year? That was like, oh, that was like the worst thing ever that happened around us. And it was a week. There are people that deal with that from like November to March, like all the way through, right? But we complain, we complain, we complain. But do you find yourself complaining too much about everything? Here's the second thing. Is this, oh, this is great. Is disobedience, your disobedience, putting any of your blessings at risk? Samson lost everything. He's, we're going to talk, we're going to finish the story off real positive next week, right? We're going to, we actually have Carrie Underwood singing for us next week. What doesn't kill us makes us stronger. La, 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 la. She's not, maybe on screen if they're fixed, okay? So, uh, but is this a, because here's the thing. God is not, God, you know what the stop sign on blessing is for you? Like, here's God. I want to bless, 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 I want to bless. You disobey. I can't bless you when you're living like that. Because you're one of my kids and people see you living like that. That mocks me and mocks the relationship that I've given to you to have with me. Is your disobedience, is your disobedience putting any of your blessings at risk? Number three, does, does the grass look greener on the other side of the fence all the time? Oh, I wish I had that. I wish I lived there. I wish I, wish I were a little bit taller. I wish I were a baller. I wish I had a girl next door I would call her, right? We look at what everybody, oh, I wish I had that. I wish I looked like her. I wish I had their this. I wish I had their that. And we're putting our, our, our focus on stuff instead of the relationship we have with God. And the last thing is, do you practice good health habits, spiritual, emotional, and physical health habits? 
It do, listen, being spiritually healthy and emotionally healthy and physically healthy is a reflection of the relationship you have with God. Pastor, are you saying if I eat too much, then my relationship with God isn't right? It's hindered. This is the temple. This is the only body that God's ever going to give you for this life. And your gratefulness towards what God's given you is a reflection of that, of, the, of your care of it. So check yourself before you wreck yourself. And number two, change yourself because here's, what, here's why, church. You're the only one that can. I'm a, I'm a pretty big dude. Like if, if, if you're here for the first time and I'm in, and it happened to me this morning. I was talking to this sweet girl. I forget your name. What's your name, sweet girl? Yeah, Sandra. I walked up to Sandra. She was going up to buy water, or T-shirt, or some popcorn for church or something. I don't know what she was doing. And she, I said, hey, girl, how are you doing? Good to see you. She goes, oh, wow, you're really big. It's like the first thing she said to me, right? <laughs> if I were to give an invitation this morning, if I were to put Sandra's arm behind her back or do that little ninja thing with her hand like this, I still couldn't make her ask Jesus to be her savior. I don't have that ability to do that, right? You have the ability for life change in you. Now, we can motivate people. Hey, if you do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we'll show the story of Jesus. He loves you. He gave himself for you. He wants to forgive you. He wants a relationship with you. And we'll be as clear and as, as spirit-driven as we can to make that call of God of salvation in your life. But I can't make you do it. That's you obeying the Holy Spirit of God in your life. Right? Check, change yourself because you're the only one who can. Here's what that means. Take a closer Take a very close look at the people that you're hanging out with. And I love this statement. My friend Jamie Ragel says this all the time when he preaches. He says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Right? Let's look at, let's look at who Samson was hanging out with. The prostitute. The enemy country of God. The Philistines. Like he wasn't hanging out with the right dudes. Remember when he was going to get married to that lady? We talked about this a few weeks ago. The lady from Timnah. Part of the Philistine country, Right? The dad went out into the city and paid 10 guys from the Philistine to be his groomsmen. Not the guy you want running your bachelor party, right? You don't want that happening. No personal interest, no personal relationship. Now, you don't see anywhere in here of the whole story of Samson's life where he had a buddy say, dude, you need to get away from that girl. She's a mess. Bro, what are you thinking, man? You got to lay off that wine. Man, stop. Why are you going up to that lion and touching that dead lion? You made a vow to God that you would never touch anything dead. He, the only people that you see do that are his parents, and he didn't listen to them. But you look at who you're hanging around with. And listen, it's not, it's not your friends. If you're hanging around some junkyard dogs, it's not their fault that you're messing up. It's your fault that you're hanging out with them. You've got to be with people that encourage you. That's why I love coming to church. I love coming up, and I love seeing Jack. Every time I see Jack, I mean, Jack just has a kind word. He's nice. He's, he's pleasant. He's, he's single. Ladies, all of a sudden, you need to marry this guy. He is, he is a catch. I wish I had older daughters, bro. I would send them your way, man. That guy's the man right there. But when I'm with Jack, I just like being with Jack because he, every time I'm with him, he picks me up. And I, Dave picks me up. Andy, sometimes you pick me up. Like, we're like really, really good friends until football season and forget about all of it. He likes the local team. I like the team that God loves. It's just really, really weird, but you know. But there's just, and, and you, if you think about somebody, right? How many of you have somebody that when you're around them, they pick you up, put your hand up in the air? Isn't that awesome? 
That's what I love about AA, man. They just pick each other up and encourage each other and pick each other up and encourage. Now, how many of you know somebody that when you're around them, trouble's brewing? Right? It's a reflection of you. Here's the next one. Take life a little slower with more intentionality. Like, think about what you're doing. Think about where you're going. Think about who you're hanging out with. Think about your relationship with God and take some time and talk to him. Like, can you give, can, can you give God like five minutes of your 24-hour day of acknowledgement, of gratefulness, of thanksgiving, of your attention? And, and when, you, when you hear Paul say this in the New Testament, pray without ceasing, you're like, oh, man, he must be really spiritual, be walking around, dear Jesus. Here's what praying without ceasing means. He's constantly aware of the presence of God in his life. It's not like God's like busy, you know. He wants to hear from you. That's what running to the Father meant. That's what that song meant. He's waiting for you. He wants you to talk to him this morning. Uh, do life with people who challenge you. Do life with people that will pray with you. Do life with people that will go to a life group with you. Do life with people that won't mock you when you ask them to come to church. Do life with people that like celebrating Jesus. Do life with people that have spiritual values that reflect yours. Now listen, we're supposed to be in the world and if I, don't, don't get in this little cocoon of our, we're just gonna hide out in the church all the time because we're really scared of the world. No, we're supposed to be in the world. We're just not supposed to have the same values, the same system. Be in the world, just not of it. So get in there and the Bible says this in Matthew chapter five. Jesus said, let your light shine forth among men. You, where you're dark, where you go into dark places, just make sure your light is shining. Don't shut it off. She could be like the rest of the darkness. Okay? Um, take life slower with a little more intention. Do life with people that challenge you. And here's the last thing. Learn to be humble and grateful. You know, we read about that. We, 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 we love reading stories. We're, we're like drawn to all this negative, nasty gossip talk that happens on TV, that happens on Facebook, that happens. And everybody has an opinion about what everybody else is doing. And when we hear stories of professional athletes that just make a mess of their life, you know, we have all these opinions about, well, they should have stayed in college, and they should have done this, and they should have done that. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, we're, we're no different than anybody else. And we need to spend a little bit more time looking in the mirror, church, instead of making ourselves feel better by the misery that other people are living in. Oh, man, I'm not as, whew, this guy over here, man. Like, I know I got to get things right with God. Like, I only gave 9% last week in my tithe, so I'm really, I got to get that right with God. But that guy over here, man, you know, we got to look, look inside your own heart and say, God, show me, teach me and show me how to be the person I'm supposed to be. Because here's what happened with Samson. Samson believed the press clippings of himself. You're so strong. You're so this. You're so that. You're so this. You're so that. And what did he lose? He lost everything. If you read through the rest of that chapel, uh, chapter, they took him away. They imprisoned him. And there was this press, this this thing that they used to grind wheat. And it was a circle. And what it was, they would attach it to the, to the backs of donkeys and oxen, of, of oxen, like big steer or whatever. Probably not the Texas longhorn steer because it would bump into everything, right? Unless they shaved those things off. But they, and all they did was, was they walked around a circle that had two stones that grinded wheat so that you could use it to eat. And that's where they put, they gouged his eyes out, shaved his head, and people would come by. Who are you killing now, Samson? He's blind. He's quiet. He's been humbled. He realizes, I turned my back on God and I lost everything. So think about that for a second. 
Come back next week because we're going we're gonna to take it up like 10 notches and celebrate. But don't, don't forget that the Bible teaches us to humble ourselves in the eyes of the Lord and he will lift us up. And let's learn from Samson. Just because you know Jesus, just because you're blessed and you have health and you have all these things, don't take it for granted. Because it can leave you just like that. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for our Lord Jesus who gave us everything so that we can have a relationship with you. We honor you this morning, Lord. We pray that you'll bless us. We pray that you'll use us. We pray, Father, that you would do amazing things in our lives so that we can be used by you, Lord, to bring honor and glory to you. Not because we're strong, not because we're all that, but because we're submitted to you and we know where the the source of our strength is. We don't We don't say these things about Samson to mock him because we really see a lot of him in our own lives. And it really serves as a warning for us not to turn our back on you, not to be prideful, not to break our commitments and vows that we have to you, Lord. But help us to learn from his life to be stronger so that you can count on us to do what you've called us to do. We pray that you'll use all of us this week, Lord, to to tell somebody about Jesus. You'll use all of us this week, Lord, uh, to to be Jesus to people in need that you'll speak to our hearts about how we can help out with these projects that we, that we talked to the church about earlier. God, use Warehouse Church this week and help us to be a reflection of you. We ask you this thing, in Jesus' name. And everybody said in agreement. Amen. Amen.